Father, I, I thank you for this, this wonderful Sermon on the Mount that, that you've given us. I thank you for how you teach us how a heart that, that is aligned with you, Lord, how you want our hearts to be. I thank you that you teach us just what it means to be blessed. I thank you for giving us this, this vision of how we can be transformed in our whole soul and in our heart as we walk with you. Lord, I pray today that you will open our hearts and open our eyes in what, what you have to say to us about truth and, and honesty uh, and integrity in this passage that we read today. I pray for the children who, who've come to Sunday school now, Lord. I pray especially for the, um, the 10 to 12 year olds today. I thank you for this opportunity for them to, to, to be together and to learn from you and from your word, Lord. I pray that you will, they may be deeply enriched in your word, Lord, that they may grow up knowing your word and knowing you, Lord, and grow up as, as, and, and come to know you and to be saved and to be your children. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you will, your Holy Spirit will inspire those who teach the children and, and the children themselves today. And I pray for us that we may, we may learn and we may grow in you in this day. I pray in your name. Amen. Thank you. So, uh, Matthew 5. And, and verse 33, following from, from where we were last week. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair black or white. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So, I don't know if I were to ask you now how many of you in recent times, or even ever in your life, have sworn an oath by the hair on your head. Or possibly by the heavens, or by the temple, or by the gold in the temple. Um, my guess is that not, not many of you are going to, uh, to say, yeah, that, that's something I've done. But actually, this passage that we look at today, as we unravel it, as we unpack it, we'll see that it actually is fundamental to our walk with Christ, and it's very relevant to our uh, world today, and to the kind of heart that God is looking for in us. This is, it follows on from, from the previous passages that we've looked at in, in previous weeks, um, and the general theme that, that Jesus is on here is um, looking at not just the law, but the fact that what, what God is looking for in the different laws. He's looking at our hearts. He's looking at the, the um, attitudes and characteristics of our hearts. So he talked about murder. I guess, hopefully, all of us here have not murdered someone. Um, but Jesus says, actually, the purpose of the law is not just to tell us not, not to physically murder someone. The purpose of the law is about um, whether in our hearts we're harboring bitterness or anger. Adultery. Um, we may not physically commit adultery, but actually what this is all about is whether in our hearts we have a heart of, of lust. Um, and so on and so forth. Um, and what we also see is that the society in that time... They tried to figure out what, what, what do we have to do in order to not break this law. Um, they tried to um, even reinterpret things. So, um, uh, love your neighbour. 
Who is my neighbour? Let's make a careful definition of my neighbour. Don't commit adultery? Ah, but that's allowed it all. So what is this all about? Do not, do, not, um, do not swear an oath. Well, first of all, what is an oath? Um, so I looked in the dictionary. What is an oath? An oath is, uh, according to the dictionary, a solemn appeal to a deity or some revered personal thing to witness to one's determination to speak the truth, to keep a promise, or something like that. So, after the, the purpose of, of swearing something is to affirm either that something that we're saying is true, or that a promise that we make is something that we're going to keep. And throughout the Bible, um, we see different people take oaths, and we also see instructions about taking oaths. Actually, in, in Genesis, in chapter 22, God himself, he, he, he speaks to Abraham, and he says this, he says, By my name I swear, declares the Lord, uh, because you have done this, and with that, sorry, because Isaac and Abraham withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and so on and so forth. God swears by his name. He, he doesn't need to. We know that everything God says is true, but this gives us some extra, let's say, even better, greater security in what God has said to us. We also see that uh, Isaac, uh, he swore an oath. Um, in the New Testament, it, it talks about um, when, you, when you swear an oath. Uh, in Hebrews, people swear by something greater themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. Uh, Paul, he actually said, uh, I call God as a witness uh, against me, it was to spare you that I didn't come to Corinth in the Corinthians. Uh, Deuteronomy contains laws about swearing oaths. Jesus, uh, when he appeared before the Sanhedrin, he was asked under oath to say who he was. And he didn't turn away and say, I'm not going to do this under oath. He, he basically said, um, you have said this, I'm the Son of God, and you will, come, and you will see me coming on the clouds. So, there is the, the concept of using an oath to affirm that what we say is true. Um, but what's very clear in the Old Testament is that God teaches us that any time that we swear something, it should always be in his name. And secondly, that anything we swear in his name, um, we should keep to. That's highly important. Um, so, we should never swear an oath falsely and, and not in the name of God. Not only that, it's something that we, we shouldn't do very often, because it's, it's very serious. The third commandment, do not take the Lord's name in vain. So if, if we likely use the Lord's name to affirm what we're going to say is true, and then we, 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 we turn away from that, that is using the Lord's name in vain, and that is very serious. Um, so it's not something that we, we should be doing very often, but there are times when um, we, we speak on the road. And we should be very careful because there is very little that we can control in this world. So it's actually much better not to, to speak on the road. Um, but this was something that was uh, around in the time of the Old Testament, and this is actually not something here that Jesus is, is overruling. But what Jesus is talking about here is something different. So um, you can see on the screen here an example of the law in the Old Testament. Leviticus. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. So what, what had happened was that the, the rabbis, 
the, the church, as it were, of that time, they said, okay, we see, don't not swear by the name of the Lord falsely. Got it. Message received. If we swear by the name of the Lord, never do it falsely. But then they said, if we read the law very carefully, the law does not say what happens if we swear, but not by the name of the Lord. Um, so, if we don't swear by the name of the Lord, then maybe it's not so binding. And actually, they managed to invent a very complex system of oath swearing in, in the book called the Misna, which was kind of like the traditions of the church. A few examples. If you were to swear by Jerusalem, then it was binding. But if you would, instead of swearing by Jerusalem, if you would swear towards Jerusalem, then actually your oath was not quite as binding. Then actually you, you, you could, according to these traditions, break what you'd said. If you swore by the temple, then actually it's not binding. That's fine. Swear by the temple, it's not binding. But swear by the gold in the temple, then it's binding. Um, if you swore by the gift on the altar, then it's binding. Swear by the altar, not binding. Um, and, and so on and so forth. You, you could swear by other towns and other places. So, I swear by Mora, what I'm saying is true. Actually, I don't know anyone in Mora, and maybe I don't care. Um, so, um, I could break what I'm saying if I, if I would swear in that way. This was, um, this kind of teaching, this is turning around what, what God is, is saying. God is saying, if you speak and you affirm the truth, keep to the truth. And what, what this was doing was this is creating a whole series of exceptions where you could say, okay, well, in this particular circumstance, um, because I've sworn in this way, then I don't need to be quite as truthful. Uh, so this, this was rather than, rather than focusing on telling the truth, this whole system was focusing on all the different ways in which you could not tell the truth. Um, as I said, the Old Testament is very clear that if you swear an oath, you swear it in God's name. God said, if you swear, swear in my name, if you do that. don't have to, but if you do it, do it in God's name. Um, but um, this teaching is teaching that there are things that you can swear by that are not God's name, and then it's okay to be dishonest. This teaching is, is basically idolatrous, because it's saying that there's something else that you can put in the place of God when you're affirming the truth. Um, it implies that there are some areas where God is not sovereign. So, when you swear an oath, remember that you're appearing, appealing to something to validate and to act as a witness to what you're saying. So they were saying, okay, then there are some areas where God is not sovereign. If I swear by Lord Jerusalem, if I, if I swear by something in which God's name is not involved, then God is not sovereign. Um, but we know we are always accountable to God. That, that's, that's not right. Um, sacrifices. In, 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 the, in the Old Testament, God created sacrifices in the sacrificial system. And yet he also said that uh, sacrifices have become an abomination to him, to the Israelites. Why have they become an abomination? Because the sacrifices that the Israelites were offering were not being done with a, a, a heart that was leaning to God. They were offering their, their second best, they were going through the motions, but their heart was not um, 
was not aligned with God. And it's kind of similar here. Here, the, the system was to affirm um, promises and truths, um, but it, it, it had become an abomination because I- instead of being people with a, a truthful heart who lean towards the truth, people were finding all kinds of excuses to, uh, to not need to keep to what they said. So, Jesus, um, he says here that basically all of this is tosh, is rubbish. He's saying, don't do this. He says, do not swear an oath on any of these things. Do not swear an oath on heaven, do not swear an oath by the earth, do not swear an oath by your head. Um, why? Well, nothing is out of God's domain. and The earth and everything in it is the Lord's. So he quotes from Isaiah, um, the heavens were thrown, the earth is footstool. If, if you swear by heaven and earth, it's not that somehow um, you are not swearing by something that, that God is under control over. If you say, by my own body this is true, actually, how much control do I really have over my body? How can I affirm that because my body exists, because my body can act as a witness, this is true? We don't even have control over our own bodies. Um, we cannot evade being accountable to God in what we say. So, this is fundamentally, I guess in, in our society, it's not so common, it's not that we never do it, but it's not so common that, that day by day we, we go and we, we swear oaths to one another. But this is about integrity honesty and truth. It's about, do we, in a different way, maybe not quite by swearing by gold in the temple or something else, do we find an invent ways where we say, in this particular area, we invent a system of saying, here, God is not sovereign. Here, I'm not accountable to God. Here, it's, it's kind of okay for me to um, bend and, and change the truth because uh, of X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Or do we keep to the truth? It's about integrity, honesty, and truth. How important is that? Well, let's take a look. First of all, Psalm 15 talks about those who, um, who uh, will be in God's kingdom. Psalm 15, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. Those who sojourn with the Lord, those who will live with the Lord, are those who speak truth in their heart. Um, So what about people who don't speak truth? Well, Revelation 22 talks about those who are outside of the kingdom of heaven. Revelation 22, 15 Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters, all those bad people, and everybody who loves and practices falsehood. And then, to be clear, Proverbs 22 says this. Proverbs 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. God is light. God is truth. In God there is 
no darkness. And any kind of dishonesty is creating darkness, it's creating lack of knowledge. So anything which is, is not related to truthfulness is always opposed to God. Any kind of lying and dishonesty is, is wrong. Um, there is no way that we can invent a system of excusing it. This is not, it's like, a little bit like the other things, like, like not murdering and not committing adultery and things like that. Um, everyone in the world has some kind of revelation of God, so we, we, there's kind of a basic knowledge that it's, it's not a good idea, it's a bad thing to, to murder someone, it's a bad thing to commit adultery, and it's a bad thing to lie. But in one sense, this is not really a conclusion that we can get to logically. We, we can't logically figure this out. This is something that God tells us. It's in the Ten Commandments. Do not lie. Um, it's something that, as, as believers in God, we, we, we know by revelation from God that we must be truthful and we must be honest at all times. Um, actually, Paul in Romans, he addresses the question, um, should I lie in order to achieve a greater good? And his answer is no. I, there is, I shouldn't lie to, to achieve a greater good. God, God is, is sovereign. And I, I can't start making excuses that way. So, what Jesus was condemning here was the practice of making a system for evading integrity, honesty, and truthfulness. That's a problem because in this world, in our flesh, where our flesh is almost wired to lie. And look at the world, look at the society around us, it's, it's saturated in untruth. In fact, it, it celebrates untruth. Being dishonest is a kind of lifestyle, it's even looked up to in places. Um, it's fine to exaggerate. It's fine to, it's fine to be dishonest, it's fine to write things in small prints that, that are not really, um, that, that are like taking away from, from the truth that we're saying, it's okay to cheat. There's a whole vocabulary that we have. We talk about minor indiscretions. We talk about distortions. Um, we talk about white lies. Those are lies that are kind of okay, apparently. Um, we talk about being economical with the truth. Uh, we, we, can, we can talk, we, we can say things that are called uh, alternative facts, which is uh, apparently a new way of, uh, of calling lies. And this is something that is, is so evident in our world, it actually can be measured. So, um, the, the University of Toronto, the psychologists uh, did an experiment, apparently, on children, and they discovered that 20% of children by the age of two understand the concept of a lie and can lie. So, if, if you have a two-year-old and they've lied, then how does it occur? 20%. Um, by the time they get to four, so by the time children are age four, 90% of children understand the concept of not to lie and lie. Um, and then in a, another place in, in Massachusetts, they did another experiment, and they, they discovered apparently that this time adults, 60% of the adults in this particular experiment that they did, were unable to hold a 10 minute conversation without lying at least once during those 10 minutes. <laughs> Um, they also discovered that um, the more a person lies, 
the easier it becomes to lie, and the more they, they will continue to lie. And in fact, they even suggested that there are some kind of chemistry changes in the brain and things like that that, that make people lie more. The Bible would call that being a slave to sin and having a, a deceptive heart. But psychologists could, could measure that. Um, so remember, what Jesus is teaching here is not just about being legalistic. Um, it's about not finding ways to excuse dishonesty. We are called to radical truthfulness. It's completely different from what the world does. It, 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 it's not easy. It will cause, probably sometimes it'll be nice, but also it will cause loss. It, it will cause pain. It will cause embarrassment. But we are called, as God's children, to radical truthfulness. What do we see around us today? Maybe we don't see many people swearing on things, but we, we get heavily influenced by the culture around us. So here are a few examples, I think I'll go on all day, but, but um, in wider society, what, what do we see? The store that has a 50% reduction, fantastic, big letters, 50% reduction. Then in the small letters it says, actually it's only in the store in Mora between two and four on Friday the 23rd, and the 50% reduction is compared to a price that was double as much before, something like that. Uh, but it's okay, right, because the small print explains it to be deceptive. Um, the promises of politicians before elections, or maybe trying to, to, to justify what they've achieved. Um, but of course, politicians have to be able to justify themselves. They have to be able to get elected, or even when they're not elected, they have to justify their existence to people. So, again, there's, there's a kind of excuse for why, why it would be okay to lie. Social media, I, one could say a lot about, but twisting adding to truth in social media, because we have to get the point across, we have to win our argument by it, so it's okay to spice up a little bit, so it's okay to, to quote those things which we don't even know are, are true on it. Um, contracts and, and business contracts that are so carefully worded so that it's possible to not deliver what you're going to claim to deliver, because everything is, is very carefully worded. How often do we find in our workplaces that we're, we're being so careful with the way the contracts are written, by the way the emails are written, and things like that, whereas actually we're not being plain and open with the truth. Even when we're telling the truth, I don't know if anybody has this experience that you actually want to tell the truth, and you're writing a, an email or something, and you're thinking, how can I make this bulletproof? Because I expect that people will read this, and they will probably try and figure out that I'm, I'm being untruthful in some way. How can I make this absolutely bulletproof? Um, that, that's why the society. What about more, more personally? Um, I think that our natural tendency in our flesh is that all of us try and do this. We try and find areas where we excuse ourselves for being less than truthful. What about commitments? How often do we make or employ commitments that actually we know we can't honour? Yeah, I'll call you. Yeah, let, let's keep in touch. Yeah, I'll, I'll see you next week. Um, even I'll pray for you. If you, if you say you're going to pray for someone, then that's you do pray for them. How often do we, do we create expectations? Oh, and we do this because maybe we justify it to ourselves as um, we don't want to disappoint someone or we don't want them to feel unhappy. Probably actually it's really because um, we ourselves find it too hard to say no. If that's what we need to say. Parents, how often do you say something to your children? Yes or no, or we will do this, or we will not do this. You know, children are really intelligent. Your children are 
hoping your children are trying to figure out um, will you stand by the truth? Are you being truthful? Your children are phobing you all the time. And, and how often are we carelessly affirming things that actually later on we can't hold to? Um, maybe it's, there's a lot of different ways in the internet. Um, using a, a friend's password to gain access to a, a website that you have to pay for. Uh, but this website makes so much money and it's only something small that I, I want to I get hold of or um, anyhow is a good friend, whatever it is. I, I'm actually deceiving the, the provider of access to my, my identity or possibly downloading things from places where we know that um, it, it's actually not really legal to be, to be downloading them. Um, we get our, our tax returns. That little small bit of income that's obscure and that's complicated to declare. And anyhow, the state takes too much from me already and it's very complicated to do this. And um, Maybe I don't need to, to add this to my, my tax return. I don't need to cause all this unnecessary fuss. Um, social media. So a lot of us like to, to post in, in the social media what we're doing, to celebrate what we're doing, to share with friends, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, WeChat, tele Telegraph, Telegram, or whatever it is. Um, but do we step over a boundary where we go from telling people about what we're doing to deceiving people about our lifestyle to impress them? Do we step over a boundary where we're actually in the online world living a life that's not entirely transparent and truthful? Because it's very easy to say, oh, anybody does that, that's the way that social media works and, and blah blah and so on and so forth. Um, I could go on, and maybe one of the, the, the questions to think about this week is I think all of us personally have some area where we will try and justify not being entirely truthful. So think and pray about it. Ask God, search me, O Lord, reveal where there is untruth in me. Because maybe we don't even realise ourselves. Um, why are we untruthful? Well, there's a whole load of reasons. It might be time, it might be convenience, it might be fear, it might be to keep a friendship, it might be because we've already been untruthful and we're caught in some kind of a web of lies. There are lots of reasons. Jesus, in the passage, he goes on with what I think is some really cool and nice advice. So first of all, he basically implies that if you have a character of integrity, you don't need to go around making oaths all the time. I mean, why, why do you make an oath? It's only because there's a suggestion that what you're saying might not be true. But he says this, if you mean yes, then what do you say? Yes. And if you mean no, what do you say? No. He's saying, keep, keep your words. Simple, because it, it can be difficult to tell the truth. It might be pride, fear, whatever it is, convenience. It can feel difficult to tell the truth. He says, anything more than this is evil. Um, the more we say when we, 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 we're telling the truth, the more likely it is that the enemy can grab it and we can drift from speaking the truth into speaking untruth. Proverbs 17, 27 says, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. Um, and he is called spirit as a man of understanding. Um, so Jesus has this really cool advice. If you're going to tell the truth, don't use too much talk and words. Just tell the truth and stop. And that's really important because there's something, something about the truth. Um, something is, is true 
are not true. So some, if, if, if you say something, um, it's either 100% true or it's not true. If, if you say something that's 90% true, then it's not true. <laughs> um, if you say something that's 99.99% true, then it's not true. It's worth to remember that when you see things flying around the internet. How much of this is actually true? Um, and the more we say, the more likely it is that we start to dilute what it is that we're saying. And suddenly, we're not saying something that in total is 100% true. Suddenly, it's like 90% true instead. Um, so Jesus has this great advice. If you want to say yes, just say yes. If you want to say no, just say no. Um, and, that's, and then stop, because after that, you're going to get very tempted to compromise with the truth. Now this is, this is very challenging. We, we are wired. I mean, apparently 60% of us can't, can't, can't go 10 minutes without telling a lie, according to the psychologists. Um, how, how, do we, how do we live up to this? The important thing to remember about this is what we see in all of this teaching is that it's not just about the act. It's not just about murdering. And in this case, it's not just about whether you say something that's true or, or say something that's not true. It's about a truthful heart. It's about do we have a heart that is basically truthful? Um, Matthew, Jesus says this, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defines a person, out of the heart from evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness or lies, and slander. When we, when we say the heart here, it's not like the thing that's beating inside my chest, and it's not my emotions and how I feel about something, it's the basic leaning of my character towards what I do. And in the unsafe state, the basic leading of our character is to not be truthful. That's the way the world is all around us. And, and when we're saved, we still have the flesh. We still need to have a truthful heart. Um, so, what can we do about that? Um, and, and how can we become truthful? We have to look for the one who is the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Um, if, if maybe you, you, you hear what I'm saying and you hear that the people in the kingdom of heaven are those that have truth in their heart, the people outside are those that are untruthful and you feel worried, um, I'm like that, we're all like that. I, I will never get to heaven um, if I will be judged on how truthful I've been in my life. But he who has, is the truth, he has paid the price for all of our untruths. And if if you haven't turned to God and repented and been saved, then talk about it and, and talk to any of us and, and think about it because, and turn to God, because if you turn to God, he will forgive our sins. But then, if we want to be truthful, if we want to have a heart from which truth flows, if we don't want to naturally turn to, to dishonesty and lying, if we want to conquer these areas where we were justified at lying, then we need to enthrone Jesus in our hearts. We need to get to know Jesus, not just know about Jesus, but know Jesus. And throwing him in our hearts, follow what he says, love his, 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 um, his ways, and, and throw Jesus in our hearts, because he is truth. And through his Holy Spirit, he will sanctify us. We will always struggle while we're on this earth with 
um, temptation to be untruthful. But God can transform us so that we're not just trying to not lie. We have hearts which are truthful hearts. We have hearts which, which reflect God's character, which is truthfulness and openness. That's how Jesus was, and that's God detests a liar. Um, secondly, um, we need to put on the belt of truth. Um, so we need, we need to go to the source of the truth. There is one place we have in this world which is the source of truth, and that is God's Word, the Bible. God's Word is truth. So we need to, to go to the truth. We need to put on the belt of truth. Um, we need to, that's why we need to read the Bible. We, we need to make sure that, yes, it's good to read and listen to other people's opinion about what the Bible teaches, but we actually need to know the Bible. Uh, there's a really cool example of um, why we, we need to be in God's Word and why we need to know God's Word and how it can be twisted in the beginning of um, Genesis. So if we just go to the next slide. Um, Genesis 2 and verse 16. So we all know this story really well. The Garden of Eden and the snake comes and tempts Eve. So in the Garden of Eden, God said this, God's word, you may surely eat of any tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. In the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Okay, that was God's word to eat. God's word, don't eat from, eat from anything you like except from the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. And if you eat from it, you will surely die. Chapter 3, along comes the snake, the devil. He says to the woman, he tries to find doubt in her heart. He could really say, you shall not eat of anything. That's not what God said, right? He didn't say, you, you shouldn't eat from any tree. Um, and he starts off remembering God's word well, she says, we may actually eat the truth of the trees of the garden, we can eat from any tree, except God said, you shall not eat the tree from the tree in the midst of the garden. Okay, Eve has a reasonably good knowledge of God's word. But then notice there's a subtle change. Um, Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. There's a kind of implication here. So Eve, Eve is kind of saying, yeah, we, we shouldn't eat from the tree, because if we do, might die. Okay? Look at verse look at verse 16. Was there any doubt in what God said? Did he say if you eat from the tree you might die? No, you, you look at verse 16, you will surely die. Um, God is a God of, of um, love and mercy, but he's also a God of justice. By by eating from the tree, by rebelling against God, death came into the world. Then later on God provided a means to pay the price for that. But he was very clear about it. And then what happens? As soon as he slightly misunderstands God's word, the devil goes for it. Um, ah, you know, God, he's a nice guy, you're not going to die. Come on, you're not going to surely die. Um, it's a direct lie. <laughs> the devil lies directly to her. And each, you can see this fruit is tempting. Well, maybe I might die. Oh, no, you're not going to die. Come on, you know, God. Um, and then she goes and eats the fruit. Not actually on the basis that she doesn't know that it's wrong, but on the basis that she misunderstands the consequences of it. And that, in a nutshell, is why we need 
to know God's word really well because um, the enemy, he, he can try and shape our understanding. And actually, when the devil came to, to, to tempt Jesus, he actually threw God's word at Jesus. We need to know God's word really well because um, it's possible for us to, 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 to misunderstand. And maybe a lot of the time, we can be at risk of kind of thinking, well, I know the Bible says something about this somewhere in the letters, something about whatever topic it is. Um, but we need to be in the Word, and we need to make sure that we know and we understand the Word, because the Word of God is true. So, yes, God is calling us to radical truthfulness, but He's calling us to more than just trying to make ourselves not lie. He's calling us to enthrone Him in our hearts, He's calling us to look to the one who is true. And he's calling us to be in the source of the truth. And it's in that way that we can grow and we can overcome. And actually, by being truthful, we will have trouble in this world. Um, and, and Jesus is clear about that. That um, the world hates the light. And anything that's truthful is the light. <coughs> but what a wonderful thing it would be. What a wonderful thing it would be to have a heart that is naturally truthful, but naturally leans towards, towards truth. Um, so that's where we are with the, the message today. Um, maybe one other thing that I would add. Um, so when God asks us to be truthful, um, it means that what we say should not contain falsehood. Um, there is also another situation, which is what, what happens, um, like, it's, is there ever anything which should be not known or, or concealed in this world? So this is not a case of deliberately lying, it's a case of should the truth ever be um, withheld? And that is a little bit more of a complicated question because, uh, I mean, Jesus, we'll see, Later in this passage, he'll say, when you, when you give, give in secret. So he suggests that um, we shouldn't go around making everybody know what we've given. Um, the Bible, it tells us that it condemns what, what is called gossips. People who go around like getting a, a pride out of, of sharing things that they really don't need to share. And the Proverbs actually uh, extol the virtue of somebody who is able to the integrity and keep a confidence. Um, but at the same time, also within the church, there are times when the Bible uh, is very clear that, that the truth should come out. Um, for example, Matthew, Jesus says, Matthew 18, um, if a brother sins against you, tell him between you and him alone. If he doesn't listen, take two or three others with you um, that you, you can establish a charge in the evidence of two or three. And if he refuses to listen to them, tell the whole church. Um, and we see in the Bible that if somebody is willfully sinful and won't change, and if it's damaging to the church, then there may be a situation where the church needs to know, and they will even be out of the church, but it should always be for their own good so that they can repent. Um, 1 Timothy um, says, Do not admit to the charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. And if they, uh, that those that persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all. 
So if you see that there is something sinful going on within the church, um, then uh, it's not right to hide something which is sinfulness and damaging to the church. But the Bible is also clear, it doesn't mean you just go and broadcast it straight away. Um, that, that there's a kind of escalatory process. So first of all, go to the brother that's sinning and establish between two or three witnesses. Um, and only in the last resort do we kind of broadcast to everywhere. Um, so it's impossible. Nobody can know everything about me, and I, I can't know everything about you. So there is, God knows everything about everyone. There is no such thing as a secret in front of God. Um, but the Bible does suggest that um, we, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit and we need to be biblical when we think about what we choose to share. But the Bible is also very clear that lying lips are detestable to the Lord. And what, what Jesus is, is telling us here is don't go and invent systems, whether it's a system of oaths or whether it's something else. Don't go and invent a whole load of reasons that excuse um, not being anything than, than fully truthful. So don't do that. Keep your words simple. Say yes or say no. Keep to the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Keep to 100% truth. Um, and remember that this is, this is not about me in my own strength trying to not tell lies. This is about me enthroning Jesus in my heart. This is about me being in God's Word, being very clear what it is that God's Word says, and being transformed to have a truthful heart. And thank God that it's a, to me it's actually a wonderful thing that one day in eternity there will be no untruth. And it's a wonderful thing that God's goal with me is to create a truthful heart. Wonderful. Let's praise God for that. So let's pray. Father, I, I thank you that you are truth, you are light, you are holy. I thank you that we, we live in such a world of um, untruth, in such a world of darkness, and yet you are light, and you call us to be truth and to be light. I thank you for this wonderful promise that if we enthrone you, Lord, you, you will clean us from our sins, you will forgive us, you will put a white robe on us, you will sanctify us, you will change our hearts. I pray for a changed heart, and I pray for all of us, Lord, that you will reveal to us those areas in our lives where we are less than, than truthful, Lord, that you will teach us to be people of integrity, people who um, live in an honest way, who are not deceptive, uh, and who, who please you by not having um, lip lies on our lips, Lord. But it, it's hard, and I pray in this week that you will, you will reveal to each of us how and where you want us to grow. And I pray that you will teach us to, to look to you, to look to the one who is truth. I pray that as we read through your word, you will give us the gift of being able to, to memorize the important parts. And I pray for protection from the tricks and the lies of the evil one who tries to manipulate um, what we read, even your word, Lord. And I thank you that you are, you have conquered evil, that we can conquer this because you are victorious and because you have, you have saved us and because you have redeemed us. And 
I pray that we may be a beacon of light and truthfulness in this society. I pray when it's difficult to be truthful, even when it causes us pain or harm, that we may know the comfort of knowing that we are your children, that you have prepared a place for us in eternity, and that it's a wonderful and great thing to, to have a, to, a clean and a pure heart. And I thank you for your, your love in, in teaching us how important it is to, to have a heart that's in integrity. And I pray this in, in your name. Amen.